first went to Malawi in January of the year 2000, and I was uh, 19 years old. And I lived there for six months. And in some ways, I've never left because Malawi has always came back with me. I became a youth full-time youth pastor in 2002 and was able to lead a team of 25 high school students back in 2004, um, and then in 2006, and then in 2008, and 2009, 2011, and last summer in 2016. We took a team of 20 here to Malawi, Africa to serve for a couple of weeks, and uh, it, was a, it was not only a, a beautiful, wonderful chance for us to be a blessing to the people of Malawi and the missionaries that serve um, so beautifully in Malawi, but also it changed us, and, uh, and we're not the same because of it. And th- we are in week two of our sermon series, Authentic Christianity, and I just thought of no better way to explore the concept of authentic Christianity than to have Daniel Dugmore um, here with us all the way from Britain to Malawi to here. Um, and he's going to just share uh, so, some thoughts on this, and I'll come up at the end. And, and uh, so Dan, Dan the man, come on out here. Give him a warm California greeting. If you're wondering who that handsome voice was um, prophesying over our team, uh, this is him. And uh, is your mic on there, big guy? You good to go? There we go. And uh, we're blessed to have him share with us. And so open your hearts and your spirit to hear what the Lord's um, going to say to you through Dan the man. Yay. Uh, tear it up, big guy. Wonderful. Good morning, sunny sides. Really good to be with you. And uh, man, I, I think John was led by the Spirit in having me, an Englishman, here two days before Independence Day. Yeah? And I was just, I was just asking, well, look, searching the scripture of how I can, as a, an Englishman, connect with uh, Independence Day. And I found in Romans 13, this scripture. Let every soul, soul be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authority that exists and are appointed by God. So I felt that today as a a representative of England, we could welcome you back (laughs) as a nation. So I think we're going to start with an altar call for those that want to repent of rebelling against authority. So let's just, spirit leader. No one. Okay. Maybe I'm here for a different reason. Um... The biggest reason we want to be here, I just, we want to say thank you. And uh, I think we're probably one of the first Malawian missionaries or YWAMers that have been, come from Malawi to this church. And as a church, you've been investing in Malawi, I mean, since, since the millennium, the beginning of the millennium is, is how long it's been. And I know a lot of you have either come or given or prayed for the work that we're doing, for the work that YWAM is doing and the missionaries in Malawi. And uh, for us, for me and Susie, we are now seven years um, into a 10-year commitment to establish a self-sustaining base there in Malawi. 
Um, so we've come and joined the team that was there s- since John was there. I mean, some of you, I think, I've met some of you that are, were in Malawi before me. I know John was like kind of 10 years before I was there, he was there. And uh, so we've come, if we s- flip on to the next slide, we've come with this 10-year vision and when we leave, maybe another three or four years, we might not go, but when we do, we want to make sure that the work there is established and has all the infrastructure that it needs to succeed for the long run. But we're not doing this work. I've got, I've got, I'm going to run you through some of the ministries that are going on on base, but it's not that we're doing these. There's 35 of us now that are on full-time staff or part-time staff there in Malawi, and it's us that does this ministry together. We train and encourage young people to find their passion, and when they find their passion from God, we then get encourage them to express that in serving others. And as we're doing that, we receive so many thank yous. So many people come and thank us for what we're doing. But really, those thank yous are yours as well. The people that thank us, they thank us because we have this partnership, and the thank yous belong to you as well. So I'd like to bring some of those thank yous to you now from Malawi. So first, a huge thank you from the YWAM community was we've paid off the base loans 100% in the last three years. That's a big victory for us. Next, I'd like to bring a thank you to the widows, about 40 widows who are receiving support through farming projects, goats, cows, and gardens and re-roofing their homes. Next up, we bring thanks to you from thousands of people who've committed their lives to Jesus in marketplaces across southern Malawi. Next up, thanks you to you from the missionary community for helping us to build this prayer tower. Um, it's becoming like a thin place where we get to meet with God. Um, we, we don't have any prayer meetings there. It's just a, a space to be alone with the Lord and seek Him. And we believe that intimacy flows into authority and fruitfulness. We bring thanks to you from... 550 families who've received food in the last year um, that were hungry and also fertilizer and seed for the next year. Thanks to you from 50 churches that have recently been partnered with to have the Jesus film shown in their village to help grow their church as we partner together in evangelism. Thanks to you from 42 students um, who've come and live with us for five months each in our residential training camps in the last year. Um, That's the discipleship training school that that John first came and did. And really, we find that's one of the most impactful ways of growing people in God, is to live together and seek God together and study together. Thanks to you for your financial support, that's meant that four staff couples could get married in the last year. And now, we've got four babies, either born or on the way. So, we're 10 out of 10 Oh, well, four out of four when it comes to babies. Um, yeah, we're fruitful. Um, we return with thanks to you from 12,000 homes who've received a free copy of the Mark's Gospel delivered to their door as part of our End Bible Poverty uh, project. The Bible's really expensive there, so we're printing it at $12 cents a copy. We want three million copies so that every home can have the Word of God in their house. We bring thanks to you from hundreds of people who've been healed by our teams or by the Lord through our teams in our healing rooms and in markets and in crusades. Um, There's one young man here, you can see he's got the x-rays in his hand. He came, he had broken feet and Jesus touched him and healed him. 
And another young man came on crutches, or older man. One of our young staff prayed for him. He's got a real anointing on his life. And he came on crutches and walked home without them. We really believe that healing is one of the ways that Jesus manifests his love to people. Thanks to you from more than 120 business leaders who received training um, as part of, of in Malawi and then also in Tanzania. We want to impact all the spheres of society, especially business. Thanks to you for making training of relationship discipleship possible for hundreds of children um, in five locations in Malawi. Thanks to you for from Chigamula Market, where we've started building their first community centre. This is what your team pulled down the trees, and it was your giving that actually laid those foundations, and this community centre is being built up. Now, we haven't finished it, but we've already started using it. So, thanks to you from 30 young people um, and children who are receiving computer training and discipleship in the community centre already. And thanks to you from 10 women and a load of young girls as well, who are receiving training in sewing and, again, discipleship in that community centre already. A big thanks to you from the members of 12 Bible societies, Bible studies, that we've run in our five centres um, in Malawi. We bring a big thanks to you from four orphan orphanages, but then really mainly some orphans. There's about 20 that we help in a more focused way. We don't really run orphanages. We support people that care for orphans in their home. Um, we find that's the most effective way to do it. And as well as that, we bring thanks to you from three frontier mission outreach locations, especially the support that you have brought to Raphael and Esther Zamakwecha has been powerful over the last couple of years. Um, they're up there in northern Kenya, and uh, they're reaching out and hoping to, to start a, an indigenous church planting movement that's going to go up into Somalia, one of the most difficult nations on earth. Um, so we really believe in sending Malawians to the nations. Missions isn't about us from the West going to developing nations, but when Malawians go to the nations, things change. We bring thanks to you for the gift of clean water from four communities that have received water projects in the last year. Thanks to you from 800 pastors who've received training because of your partnership, this has been possible. A huge thank you to 500 farmers who've received training so that they can sustain themselves with, um, we call it Farming God's Way or Foundations for Farming. It's a farming method. Thanks to you from Chihuahua Village, we've actually just got the roof on and the first four classrooms are finished on their school. So lots of you that have come, you've been there to Chihuahua Village, and that's where the school's getting built. It's going to be for 400 kids when we're done. Many thanks to you from women across Malawi who've been enriched and empowered in conferences. Thanks to you from hundreds of children who've received traffic-proof presentations in their schools to protect them from being at risk from human trafficking. Thanks to you from the members of the HIV support group in Mankamba that have learned to mutually support each other and receive food when they're the, their most vulnerable times of need. Thanks to you for standing with us as well. We get to live this life. We, we pray two hours a day in the morning and we love this life of intimacy and fruitfulness. So church, thank you. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for standing with the missionaries of Malawi. Now, I shared all of that, really, so that we could give glory to God. Yeah? 
Yes, we're part of this, but it's Jesus that, that provides, that sends, and that empowers. Can we just give a clap offering to the Lord for a moment for what he's been doing? Yay. Now, I'd like to share as well just a couple of stories about what's been going on to encourage you um, from the things that have been happening in Malawi. And uh, before I do that, now, I'm, I'm used to preaching in Africa, okay? So in Africa, even the, the Baptist churches are really Pentecostal, yeah? In, you'd go to a church over there and you'd say, man, this isn't an Anglican church, this is a Pentecostal church. So if I say amen... If I say hallelujah, you need to say amen. Are you with me? So we're going to practice for a moment. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay, let's try again. There's some people at the back over here. Can you just, I'm, I'm going to feel at home and I'm going to speak better if you make me feel at home. Are you with me here? So, hallelujah. Okay, now I'm ready. So if you, I'm, the thing is, I spend most of my time in Africa, so I'm not going to manage to become... American or English, just for my short visit over here. So you might think, man, that guy's acting like an African preacher. And it's true. Yeah? Um, we want to be fruitful in our lives. And we've been looking at some of the fruit that is, is going on there in Malawi. And I have a huge desire that my life would have impact on the earth. Who here wants to have impact on the earth? Yeah? Who here wants to walk into the promises of God in your life? Because God speaks things over your life, and we want to see those things happen in our lives. But the, there is a process that we have to walk through to walk in to that provision and that manifestation when we see the power of God move in our lives. Who here wants to see miracles in your life? Yeah? To see a miracle, there's two key things that you need to see a miracle in your life. You need faith, and you need a disaster. Okay? You honestly, you don't get miracles unless you have a problem that cannot be solved by you. If you can solve the problem, you don't need a miracle. You just need to engage your life. So actually, when you say, yeah, I want to see miracles, what we're saying is, God, send me disasters that cannot be solved by me. Yeah? Because so many times we pray, God, God, I want to see miracles in my life. I want to see your hand and touching my life. And then God starts to set up a situation where he's preparing to touch your life with the miraculous. And as we're going through that process, we start to get discouraged. But actually, God is setting up He's setting the scene. He's setting the stage. I remember there was one time we were praying and we felt God had sent us down into the Shiri Valley. It's a really hot valley, 100 meters sort of vertical drop below us. And we felt we were going there because God wanted to heal the sick and he wanted to bring in the harvest. And we were going to train pastors there and feed orphans. And so we prepared the trip to go there. And I got this word from the Lord. I didn't really know it was a word from the Lord, but I was looking at a cemetery and I heard, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I thought, okay, Lord. 
that's interesting. But I didn't think too much of it. And we went down there into this valley. And it was, there were seven villages. And in the middle of those villages was a school. And this area, there's, there's lots of ancestral worship or kind of witchcraft. And so normally where there's lots of witchcraft or Islam, we see lots of healings and miracles. So we set up there and we played a football match. And so we had maybe 2,000, 3,000 people came to gather to see the football match and then see the Jesus film. And I've been showing the Jesus film for a couple of years. And we set up the Jesus film equipment. And I went to start the generator. And guess what? The generator didn't work. So the first time, I spent maybe an hour trying to start this generator, didn't work at all. So we prayed for a few people and just used our our 12-volt PA to talk to them. And then next day, I drove out to get another generator and bring it in. When I got back with this generator, the pastors came to me. We had maybe 20 or 30 pastors with us. And the pastors came to me and said, Daniel, I think we should show the Jesus film in, in this football field over here, not this one here. I said, what, why is that? Why should we show it over there? Is it a better football field? And they said, mm, yes. Is it bigger? No. Is it more central? No. Can more people go there? Mm, no. So why should we show it over there? And they said, well, everybody here in these villages, they're saying you can't show the Jesus film in that football field because the cemeteries there And there's too much witchcraft next to that football field. And you won't be allowed or able to show the Jesus film there in that location. So we should show it over there because there's no no witchcraft or ancestral worship happening there. So, hallelujah, I remembered. God had spoken and he'd said, he'd given me his word, hadn't he? I was walking through the process and it was looking difficult. But I had his word, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. So we set up the equipment, I started the generator, I told all the pastors, don't worry, God said it's going to be fine. I started the generator, tried to turn on the projector, nothing. The first time ever that my projector hadn't worked. As I was trying to start the projector, I looked across and there was a man with a huge witch's cross painted on the front of his shirt. And I thought, here we go. I thought, man, this is going to be embarrassing. Yeah? If I'm saying everything's going to be awesome and then I can't do it again. So I gathered the pastors together and we started to pray. As the pastors started to pray, the projector started to work. We showed the Jesus film. I would say more than 500 people got healed that day. There was this one young South African girl and anybody that I'd lay her hand on, she got a bit scared so she wasn't laying hands on people herself. Everyone that she laid hands on, they manifested and they got delivered from a demon. So I'd kind of walk around with her like this. I, I, it wasn't happening with me. And I'd put a hand on people and they'd get delivered. And she'd be like, oh, so come over here. It was just, it, stuff was kicking off in every direction. But friends, the thing I enjoyed the most, yeah? The thing I enjoyed the most, after we'd seen hundreds of people healed and saved, I got to stop. And I probably made, this was probably... The most exciting declaration that I've ever got to make in my life of ministry. I got to stop and I said, friends, who here said that we couldn't show the Jesus film here? Because the witchcraft is too great. 
You know when you say something and everyone, there's a thousand people or two thousand, and they all turn to their friend and say, yeah, 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 you said that. Everyone was turning to their neighbor and saying, yeah, you said that. And you heard this murmurs going through the crowd. And I got to make a declaration. I said, friends, there is power in blood sacrifice. There is power in the blood of chickens and goats and human sacrifice. There is power in blood sacrifice when blood is poured out. But friends, you've seen a sacrifice here that is more powerful. You've seen a sacrifice here on this movie. Blood that was poured out, the blood of Jesus, is more powerful. His blood breaks every other curse, breaks every other blood sacrifice. His blood is stronger and more powerful. Man, I got to make that declaration, and it was so exciting and encouraging to do that. God put to shame the powers of darkness. Yeah? God put to shame the powers of darkness. And friends, God wants to put to shame the powers of darkness in your lives, with your friends, in the spheres and the jobs and the places where you are. God wants to put to shame the powers of darkness. But the way that happens is first, it needs to look like the enemy is one. Yeah? When everyone thinks that the devil has the upper hand, when everyone thinks that a disaster has hit your life that's going to put you in despair or depression, yeah, is going to make you curse God, is going to make you turn away, and then in the midst of the disaster, we start to praise the Lord. We put our faith in Him. To set the scene for a miracle, so many times we need to see what looks like a disaster. I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Because we're following Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate example of turning what looked like a disaster and turning it into the greatest breakthrough. The devil looked at the cross, didn't he? And he said, I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. I've killed him. I've crushed him publicly. I'm putting to shame the Son of God, showing that I'm more powerful. And then Jesus suddenly flips it on its head. We follow a God that loves to turn disasters into blessings. We had this recently, this base loan that we were paying off. We had three years to pay it off. And this year, I was really planning to put all the money aside. And I had my plan in the way that God was going to pay off the loan, yeah? This happens so often, God says he's going to do something, and then we have our plan about he's, how he's going to do it. Yeah? And I was doing my plan, and then in the midst of that, we had uh, a drought and a flood. And then we had lots of people move on base that needed houses. And all of a sudden, all our money was getting spent on feeding the hungry and building houses for new missionaries. And I was looking at our debt, and I was saying, God, what's going on? And I felt God was saying, you've got a problem with your generosity, Daniel. You need me to be generous to you to pay off these loans. And so I need you to be generous to the poor. So I started to claim the year of Jubilee. That's the payment of debt that's finished. Israel, Israeli Old Testament law says every 50 years, debts were released. So I was claiming the year of Jubilee and giving to the poor. We started to go through the process of moving into the provision of God. And in that process, 
I started to learn something about God and how he runs his kingdom. All of us here have promises of God, places that he wants to take us. He says where he wants to take you. He says, I want to do this in your life. And we want to go straight to the provision. But there is first a process to go through. Think about Joseph in the Bible. Joseph is there and he gets a prophecy that I'm going to be important in my family. That the sun, moon and stars will bow down to me. My parents and my brothers will bow down to me. And then they bow down to him. No. Then he ends up at the bottom of a pit. Then he ends up in slavery. Then he ends up in prison. He's going through the process to prepare him for the provision that God wants in his life. He's there in a pit. What's a pit? Prophet in training. Yeah? A pit. When you find yourself in a pit, many times God's got you in training for reigning and releasing his power. But first, he needs to bring us to the place where we say, this isn't possible with me, but it's possible with you. In that process, we come to the place where we put our faith in him rather than our own strength and ability. We become wholeheartedly after God rather than our own resources, abilities and strengths. Because God gives grace to the humble, doesn't he? But he resists the proud. He's searching the earth. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 and 10 says God's eye is roaming to and fro throughout the earth. And he's searching for a heart that's completely his. So he can show himself strong on their behalf. God's eye is roaming around this room today. As we're going through that process, one of the most important things that gets formed is wholeheartedness for God. When we see that we can't do it, but he can do it. And when the provision comes, the glory goes to God. Yeah? If we moved straight from promise to provision, we'd think it was something to do with us. Because we go through that difficult process, we start to see, I can't do it, but you can do it. The glory goes to him because of the process, but the glory is ours when we praise God in the process. Amen? When we're going through those difficult times, but we say, God, I praise you because I know you can turn disasters into blessings. Amen. John. Give Daniel a round of applause, guys. Stay up here real fast. I want to pray for Daniel and his wife Susie and his wonderful kids, Ben and Beth, and we want to bless them in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you for uh, Daniel, our brother from another mother, and uh, we thank you for his heart for you, his passion for you. Um, God, we pray your great favor and blessing upon him and his wife and their marriage and them as parents and their wonderful kids, God. Bless their family in every way, God. Provide for them, Jesus. We pray for great emotional and physical and spiritual vitality and health. We pray, God, that you bless the continued work in Malawi. Give him wisdom beyond his understanding in years. Thank you, God, um, for using him in our lives. But, God, not just in a general sense. Thank you for using him in my life. And so we pray a great blessing over them. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you, Daniel. God bless you. Man.
I was so right to bring him here. <laughs> um, I'm going through a pit. Pastor in training, okay? It's not a prophet, but it's a pastor in training. This Just yesterday, I got this email, and I was like, no. And it's kind of a situation where it is impossible for me to fix it. And uh, I needed that. I needed this word this morning. I'm in a pit. Uh, there's this hiccup, there's this thing, there's this issue, and I am barely slept last night because I have a newborn, and also I'm worried about this pit that I'm in. Uh, and God's like, look out the window, the birds are singing, I take care of you. Uh, walk through the meadow, look at the flowers. There's nothing more beautiful, and they do nothing, and I take care of them. I'll take care of you. I get this word from Daniel about this process. He, he calls it process, but it's process. This, this process of these valleys, right? And some of you are feeling it too. You've been going through a valley. It's hot. It's dry. God grows us in the valleys. And God wants to grow you. God wants to grow your walk with him. God wants to grow the spirit's power in your life. God wants to grow the supernatural love of God in and through you. Are we willing to say yes? Are we willing to have the faith that when everything else looks bad, I'm going to trust in the Lord? It doesn't matter what else is happening. Against all odds, I'm going to trust in him. Would you pray with me, God? Some may trust in horses. Some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some may trust in tanks. Some may trust in bank accounts. Some may trust in their own abilities, but we trust the name of Jesus to overcome the powers of darkness that assail us. The enemy doesn't win. God, the tomb is empty. You didn't stay in the grave. You made a spectacle of the enemy by rising from the dead. And God, I pray that you would rise in us, Jesus. Resurrection isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that you still do today. You resurrect us, God. You bring life into death. You bring light into darkness. And I pray for that right now upon everybody in this place, God, myself included, God. Resurrect us, Jesus. Give us faith. Give us hope. Give us the abundant life you've promised and help us to trust you in the midst of difficulty. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this place and you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, you've never said, yes, I'm going to pledge my love and fidelity to Jesus. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand? You could just put it up and put it down. We just want to pray for you. We want to encourage you, introduce you to our Lord and Savior. Praise God. And secondly, maybe you're in this place and you need some of that hope, endurance, and faith in the midst of difficulty. I encourage you during this song to be able to pledge that to God. Say, God, it doesn't make sense. This situation seems insurmountable, God. But you, a miracle is only possible when there's an impending disaster and that we can't do anything about it. And so, Jesus, I pray that these disasters in our lives 
that you show yourself strong and mighty in the midst of that. God, for those in this place who are just barely hanging on, would you infuse them with faith? God, I think of Ephesians, and it says that we lift up the shield of faith. That is something that's not a singular shield. No, the Roman shields united together. So we lift up the shield of faith together to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. So God, together, we lift up the shield of faith. Pray for your protection and help and deliverance. Draw us closer to you, to the world that so desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close with this last song?